Thanks for taking some time to listen to this message on the Elevate Church podcast. We believe that God will speak to you wherever you are. Now let's prepare our hearts and hear what God has for us today. We haven't had the chance to meet yet. I know some of you are joining us, you know, for the first time this morning. As Gilson mentioned, our kids director, just saying, hey, thank you, first time guests for being here. And I don't want to assume that you all know me, even if you haven't been here for the first time. So my name is Will. I'm one of our pastors and just honored and excited to worship alongside of you and be a part of of what God is doing here in this church uh, in a place where my wife and I grew up here. And so we love Erie. It's okay to love Erie. Come on, somebody. And what God is doing. It's even better to love Erie when you know what God's doing in Erie, right? And so I'm um, just excited to be here. And I, I do want to take a moment as well, and, and uh, we want to start off with a little bit of excitement this morning. Uh, you, you need to know that every single weekend we see first-time guests that, that join us. And really kind of since uh, the beginning of September, uh, I don't know if you know this or not, but we have seen well over 120 first-time guests that join us. How incredible is that? And every week we shout out our first-time guests, you know, but we're putting you to the side here for a second. I want to thank you, church, uh, for the way that you are inviting people. You know, most of the first-time guests that show up, and maybe even some of you that are here this morning, you have come because of a personal invite or word of mouth. And so, church, thank you for inviting people to encounter God, to, to know God, to find family, to discover their purpose, to make a difference right here in this church. I can tell you and speak on behalf of our entire staff and our teams, we do not take that responsibility for granted. Like, it is an amazing opportunity that you would trust your family to come here, your coworkers, and, and to want to extend that invite, and it's making a difference. So thank you for inviting your friends and your family to be here You should also know that, hey, every single week we donate money to the Erie City Mission for every first-time guest that comes here. So not only are you making a difference here, you're making a difference downtown. Come on, don't let me be more excited about you than you are about you. Come on. Man, it's amazing uh, to see what God is doing in in this place. We are uh, in a series, if you're joining us. Uh, maybe for the first time and you're joining us, we're in a series called Mind Monsters. And we've been using this working definition over the last two weeks. We're going to put it on the screen. It's a mind monster we're clearing, or classifying as any thought or idea, any thought or idea that is contrary to the Word of God. Any thought or idea that is at, at odds, that is at war with what the Word of God says that you are. And when we kick this off, Pastor Colby, our lead pastor, uh, he, he talked about there was like some 50,000 negative thoughts every single day that we're up against. 50,000 negative thoughts, 50,000 negative ideas maybe of who God says that we are. We talked about that in week one, week two, we talked about who's afraid of who, right? Like we've got a, there, there, there's not a moment that we need to be afraid of because we've got the name of Jesus with us. And so that was week two. And if you were with us, we paused last week. And, and let me just say, I'm so thankful to uh, have a pastor in Pastor Colby who, yeah, hey, we had a plan to continue the series, right? And he called the Holy Spirit Audible last week and to just take a moment and teach every single one of us the importance of what is happening in Israel right now. And to have a pastor that is so attuned to the Holy Spirit to say, you know what, we've got plans, we've got ideas, we've got this big picture of what we want, to just say, wait a second, I want to pause and we need to make sure that our, our people... Our, our church is equipped to understand that what's happening in Israel affects us here in Erie, Pennsylvania. And so I'm just so thankful to be able to lead alongside Pastor Colby in that way and, and so thankful that he took that moment, that he was patient with the Spirit. Yeah, can we give God, Pastor Colby some love 
So today we're jumping back into the series, though, uh, of Mind Monsters, and today we're going to be talking through part three of this series about a monster called doubt. Mmm, that's right, I heard that from the back to the front, like monster called, called doubt. And, and I've got actually um, a pretty recent story of doubt in my life. Uh, I actually purchased something that causes me to doubt every time I use it. Seems exciting. I bought this thing a few weeks ago called a cold pod, right? A cold pod is an ice bath, right? You put water in it and ice, it's like 30, 40 degrees, and you get into it. And can I tell you, so okay, some of you are like, wow, you are crazy. Like, I, I pinned you for the right kind of person. Others of you are like, you're my kind of guy. Like, you're, you're one of us. But, but either way, okay, can I tell you that every single moment that I've got this thing, this cold pod filled with 40 degree water in ice, that there's a moment of doubt just before I dip my toe in there of like, is this, is this worth it? And then as soon as I submerge myself and I'm like I, trying to catch my breath, I'm like, is this, like, am I doing the right thing here? Right? Like there's a moment of, of doubt. And I know that's a little bit, maybe a little bit playful, but, but even let's bring it back to even last night on my way home from Saturday, our Saturday night worship experience and having moments of doubt are even the words that I'm speaking and how I'm interpreting God's word. Is it making a difference? Is it worth it? And you can see that in these moments when we have little playful things like a ice bath versus even preaching God's word, the same is true is that we wonder, is what I'm doing worth it? Does this even matter? How do I know that this is even real? And you see, the thing I know about this mind monster of doubt is that sometimes we can be so passive with it that we don't even recognize how serious it actually is. And there's moments in these times where we face doubt and we just play it off as if it's no big deal, but doubt begins to to grow. And so as we attack this narrative of doubt in our lives, I want us to to, to see it through the lens of of Scripture as we attack it together. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in John Uh, starting in chapter 11 in in just a minute, but we're going to start some things off. I want to frame some things through uh, Hebrews in chapter 3, verses 12 through 14, to kind of set us up today. If you don't have a Bible, we would love to get one to you, by the way. If you just stop at the hub before you you leave, we'd love to get that in your hands for free. Uh, But in verse 12, it says this, Be careful then, dear brothers and sisters, make sure that your own hearts, check your own heart, don't check your neighbor's heart, check your own heart, Make sure your own hearts are not evil and unbelieving. If your heart's evil and unbelieving, it says it turning, it's turning you away from the living God. You must warn each other every day while it is still today so that none of you will be deceived by sin and hardened against God. For if we are faithful to the end, trusting God just as firmly as when we first believed. Do you remember if you are a Christian in the room, and I know it's not everybody, so, so those of you that are, do you remember the first time you gave your life to Christ, and you, you were on fire, and you were just like, this is what we do, and, and I'm reading the Bible, and all, do you remember the brand newness of, of being a believer, and what that felt like, what that experience was, he says, for if we are faithful to the end, trusting God just as firmly as when we first believed, we will share in all that belongs to, to Christ. We see if you have an evil and unbelieving heart, what does that do? It turns you away from the living God. 
But the, the charge is to be found faithful to the end so we can share in all that belongs to Christ. When it comes to doubt, we, we know that doubt, let's be real, gets a, a, a bad rap in the church. Doubt gets a bad rap in our lives as, as a whole. In fact, most of us, as I say this, you may agree with me that it's actually easier for, easier for us to, and maybe even have even more peace in our minds and our hearts to believe that God could use somebody who once was a murderer for the advancement of the gospel like Paul, or somebody who was an addict for the advancement of the gospel, but it's really hard for us sometimes to wrap our mind around somebody who doubted. Why is that the case? Somebody who doubts, sometimes we feel like God can't partner with them. Maybe because all of us maybe have never experienced the things of such as, as, as murder or such as, as being an addict, but every single one of us is faced with, with the doubt, and it's a barrier that's in front of, of all of us. And I need to let you know today that doubt does not make you a bad Christian. Doubt makes you human. Welcome to the party. We're all in this thing together. Doubt is not the opposite of, of faith, even. Doubt is, is not the opposite of faith. What's, what's the opposite of faith? Unbelieving. Right, we found it in Scripture. Faithful versus unbelieving. Here's how I put it. If one side is, is faithful, the other side is unbelieving, and doubt is the mechanism that can go in between. And no matter how you use doubt, will show you which way you're going, whether towards faithful or towards unbelief. But make no mistake about it, the mind monster of doubt wants you to get to unbelief. Doubt wants to bring you into this unbelief. And as I said, it's so sneaky because we can write it off so passively like it doesn't really matter. And the, the questions that we have and dipping into an ice bath of is this even worth it actually start to leak into other areas of our lives as well. Doubt starts off as a seed. And a seed that's left unchecked begins to grow. It's a seed of uncertainty. And it can leave us in, with distraction, which can ultimately lead us into destruction. Doubt left unchecked is dangerous. Like, think about this. The enemy in the Garden of Eden, as beginning as the second page of the Bible, if you will, a third page, depending on what version you have, he's like, hey, did God really say you can't eat from that tree? It's just a little bit of uncertainty that he leads with. It's a bait in what happens. Everything comes into destruction from there. Enemy will always bait you with some doubt. And as soon as you bite, it gets gets dangerous. These small seeds of doubt begin to grow, and that's where we find things like insecurity, feeling like we're not enough. We get discouraged, feeling like we'll never amount to anything. Doubts can make you feel like an outcast, can't it? Like how many of you know, nothing makes you feel more lonely than being the one who's doubting. Because you can be in a room like this, and you'd be like, well, I've got some questions, but nobody else is asking them. And so you feel lonely. You feel like, am I the only one who doesn't know? Am I the only one who's like not so sure about some things? And you can feel lonely in doubt. But can I tell you that faith actually requires a level of doubt in order for there to be faith? Like, I, that might mess up your theology, but you need some, some, some doubt in your life in order for there to actually be 
faith. Let me put it this way. If you ever arrive at a place where you have no more doubt in your life, first off, you aren't married and you don't have kids. <laughs> but the third thing is, you're in heaven. Every single one of us is faced with, with doubt. We, we are all going to have it, whether we're on the mountaintops or in the valleys, doubt will come to light. And so what do we do with the doubt? How do we use the doubt to lean towards faith and not unbelief? We're going to look today at just a few glimpses of someone in the Bible. He's an early follower of Jesus. He's one of the disciples. His name is Thomas, and maybe some of you know his story. Others of you maybe don't know his story, but I hope to enlighten you and encourage you that you and I are not so far off from our boy Thomas. And and maybe in, in Christian circles, Thomas is known as Doubting Thomas. Doubting, like think about that. One thing happened in his life and he is forever known in all of you history. Like I'm glad that nobody's seen the things, right, that maybe that I've done in my past because I could be called something totally different. I want to give you just a few snapshots of Thomas that we find in scripture. He's actually found in all four gospels, uh, but he's really only given some airtime during John, which is interesting to me. Like, he's found in, a, in the list of the disciples and the followers of Jesus, but he's given airtime here in, in John. And in my prep, like, I've realized that I've read these verses that we're going to read together time and time again, and, and I've kind of just brushed over them. But it was just this past week or so that, that as I'm reading them, I'm realizing, wait a second here, this is what God wants us to to know today, that we can learn something and grow from it. So we're going to be in John chapter 11. Let me catch up to speed. Jesus is, has already had his public ministry. He's already doing uh, these signs and wonders. He's already doing so many amazing things. And in John chapter 11 is the story that Jesus hears uh, from uh, r- close friends when the disciples of Martha, and, or when Martha and Mary send for Jesus, when they find out that Lazarus is sick. And so they send for Jesus, and Jesus is like, okay, well, he's like telling his followers, like, we have to go, go back to Judea where they were. And, and in doing so, the disciples start to get a little bit, like, uneasy. They're like, Jesus, the last time we were there, they tried to stone you. Like, I don't think we should, we should go. If he, he's going to get better, he's just sick. He'll be, give him a few days, and he'll be totally fine. And so Jesus just stops him, and he says, hey, Lazarus, he's dead. It's actually better for you that I wasn't there. But either way, we're going. And so Thomas, a a doubting Thomas, says this in verse 16. Thomas said to the rest of the disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. Does not seem like doubting Thomas in that moment, does he? Like he's like, oh, we're going to go and we might die. That sounds pretty bold. That sounds like courageous Thomas, if you will. I, I think Thomas knew the principle uh, in, of Hebrews where it says that we can share in all things that belong to Christ. And in this case, it was the potential of death. Unchecked doubt will leave you missing out on what God wants to do in your life. Because if you're anything like me, you know that doubt oftentimes feels like a dead end. And to the disciples in this moment, they weren't sure if they should go back. Like, hey, they tried to kill you, Jesus. We should kind of wait here and just kind of see what happens. Doubt will always feel like a dead end. 
But you need to know this morning that doubt is actually an invitation. Doubt is an invitation. Doubt always has an opportunity attached to it. It's what you do with the doubt that will turn you towards faith or unbelief. The opportunity was that they could go and that they may too die, but they were going to be with with Jesus, that they were going to pursue him and follow him with whatever it took. The, The roadblock, the dead end, was to stay there and say, no, we're good. We don't want to go there. And so doubt will always feel like a dead end, but doubt is an invitation. We need to change that in our minds. Doubt is not a a, a dead end. It's an invitation. And as we continue on in the story, in John 11 and and 12 and in 13, you'll see, uh, if you're reading this, and I encourage you to do so, it's one of the books that if somebody asks me, hey, where do I start in the Bible? I'm like, start with with Genesis for a few uh, chapters and then get into John. Uh, I, w- I want you to start there and go, go from there. Uh, and Jesus, in the story of John 13, it's when he's, it's the infamous foot washing, if you know the story. It's when he's predicting the denial that Peter was going to deny Christ. It's when he's predicting his own death. And he tells his disciples, as we begin John 14, says that he will prepare a place for you. Jesus says this, and he's like, and, and I'm going to be back, and you know where I'm going to be. And so this next glimpse of, of Thomas that we see is in verse 5 of John 14. Thomas says to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answers, I am the way. I am the truth. I'm the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Like Thomas is that kid in class. You remember being in class when like you were, you know, in social studies or whatever kind of class we're, we're in and, and like the teacher's going on. It's been like five, almost 10 minutes. And you're like, what page are we on? Right? Like, I don't know what page we're on. So you like, you like peek over at the neighbor and they're like, I don't know what page. You're on. Look at your other neighbor. And you're like, man, I'm sitting around a bunch of losers. Nobody knows what page it's on. And then little Joey, always in the back left of the class for some reason, raises his hand, and he's like, Miss Jones, what page are we on? It's at 437, and like half the class is like, yes, thank you so much, like sneakily doing it, right? I can't imagine that Thomas is the only disciple who did not know what Jesus meant. Thomas just happened to be the disciple who was like, hey, pause, I don't know what you're talking about when you're saying you're going to go somewhere and prepare a place. Like, where is that place? And did you give us the GPS coordinates? Because my map quest is a little bit, it's not loading right now, and I don't know. Like, like what, what do you mean you're going to prepare a place? Like, where, how will we know the, the way? Doubt will always hold us, but what we find is that doubt will always make you feel like you need to know it all. It would have been so easy for Thomas to just pass that over and let it go. But here's what I want you to know is that you can believe even if it's unclear. Doubt will make you feel like if you don't have all the answers, well, then you can't do anything. But you can believe even if it's unclear. There's no no need to have a, a perfect faith in order to move forward. Thomas was just bold enough to say, hey, I've got a question. Maybe I missed it, but where are you going? And he gets answered with the truth. 
Jesus says, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. Listen, to be honest with you, the whole ice bath thing, like there's, you can look it up online, there's like health benefits to it, it somehow helps my sleep, like somehow helps me with all these other things and blood flow, blah, 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 blah. Like I don't really know how it works. I just believe that it's doing something. But it's pretty unclear for me. Like, I don't actually know. In fact, I don't know how God is going to use uh, this time together and the way that I'm preaching to you today to transform your life. I don't know. But I can believe that he will, even though it's unclear to me. Doubt is not a dead end. Doubt is an invitation. We can believe even if it's unclear. We don't have to have this whole thing figured out. And can I tell you, this church, we don't have it all figured out. Like, we're all on this journey together. Some of us got here a little bit earlier than others, but guess what? We're on the journey together, the path to know God, find family to discover purpose and to make a difference. Listen, we don't know, but we're going to keep going. We see this as an invitation for us, an invitation for us to, to believe even when it's unclear. So can you believe even when it's unclear? Even if you don't have all the facts and the figures don't line up, but can you can you believe anyways? It's how you use your doubt to lean more towards your faith instead of your, your unbelief. Let, let's jump forward another little bit with this glimpses of, of Thomas. This is going to be in John chapter 20. This is after now Jesus uh, lived. He died a criminal's death. He was put on trial, died a criminal's death. His blood was shed. He hung on a cross. He died. He was put into a borrowed tomb. The stone was rolled away, and he was risen to new life. So after all of that, Jesus appears to his disciples just as he said he was going to, like, hey, I'm gonna, we're, we're gonna see each other, and he appears to them, and in John chapter 20 and verse 24, it says, now Thomas, who was one of the 12 of the disciples, when, was not with them when Jesus came. So Jesus came, saw them three days later, like we know that, maybe story, the Easter story, but this is a week later now. It says, so the other dis- disciples told him, hey, we've seen the Lord. But this is what Thomas responds back with. He says to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands, put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. And in this glimpse of Thomas, we see that he's wrestling between faith and unbelief. He's in the in-between. It says a week later, So a week after Easter, a week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas and a holy response says, my Lord and my God. He now discovers that his doubts were not a dead end. It was actually an invitation for him to see what Jesus was all about. And Jesus, in amongst the doubts, in verse 29, he says this, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed, which is you and I, by the way. I've never come face to face with Jesus. 
I, I believe, although I have not yet, yet seen. And so in these moments of doubt, in these moments where, where Thomas is leaning towards unbelief, he's leaning towards like, hey, if I don't see it, I'm not so sure. What does Jesus do? He doesn't show up and be like, Thomas, get your act together. He's just like, hey, this is what you wanted. You need to know that, that when you pursue your doubts, when you lean into what God is doing, when you ask God, he will show up and he will welcome you. And it might not look the way you want it to look, but the, the response that we can get from, from Thomas is, my Lord and my God. On the mountaintops and in the valleys, wherever we are facing our doubts that we will face, it's inevitable. No one is immune to it. We have these doubts, but we can always turn to the Lord. So you might ask me the question, well, how do I win? I see that this mind monster of doubt is there, but how do I actually win? Let me give you the one way that you win. It's right here, is to exercise our faith even in our doubts. The Bible says, and, and people have, have mentioned that, that faith is like a, a muscle. you got to work that thing out. How do you work out your faith? Well, you, you open up God's word. You, you worship. You pray. You get around a community. You ever notice that Thomas never once retreated, even in his doubts. He kept pressing on. Thomas was still surrounded by people. He still was with his people. He didn't just give up. He exercised his faith. He's like, you know what? I don't really know what this whole thing's about. I've got some questions. Let me ask. And yeah, I've got some doubts, but I'm still going to exercise my faith. It's by faith we overcome our, our doubt. It's by, by faith we overcome our doubt. And when we work that out, hey, the doubt still will come. But I'm leaning towards faith. I'm leaning towards, towards faith. And so by, by faith, we see in Scripture, Abraham and Sarah were told, hey, you're going to be, Abraham, you're going to be the father of many nations. And Abraham's like 100 years old. Like, how's that to be? They even laughed a little bit. Like when I said doubt earlier, you guys laughed a little bit. They laughed. But it was by a little bit of faith they overcame that doubt. Mary, the, the mother of Jesus, when angel Gabriel shows up on the scene, is like, hey, you, you are going to become pregnant and you will name him Jesus. Her response wasn't like, awesome, I've been waiting all day for this. Her response was, how can this be? I know how this whole thing's work. I promise I haven't been with Joseph. Like, I promise I had the, none of this has happened. So in the middle of her doubt, a little bit of faith overcame the doubt. We see John in Scripture, John the Baptist, he's in prison, doubting. Is this Jesus the one we thought he was? And he sends out a, some of his followers, some of his closest friends, and he's like, hey, just, just go and see. Go and say if he's, if he's the one. Or should we be looking for someone else? And they come to find out that he's the one. A little bit of faith. Hey, sometimes you need some people around you to get your faith to work over the doubt. A little bit of faith. Peter, right? He's in the storm in the boat with the disciples. And they see this like figure out there. And he's like, I'm not so sure. Lord, if it's you. Lord, in my doubt, if that's you, tell me to come. 
this is not a dead end for me, Lord. I'm, I'm ask, this is an invitation I can step. He says, come. And so he starts taking a step on the water. And he's walking on water. How amazing is that? And then there was a moment where he sinks. And Jesus reaches, picks him back up. And what's the question he says? Why did you doubt? Where's your faith? Why did you doubt? Thomas, in the middle of his questions, in the middle of the uncertainty, he doubted. But he doubted and he came to the Lord. So can I tell you, it's by faith when you get the diagnosis that you didn't want. That you can overcome the doubt that God is still in control. That when your family is torn apart, it is by faith you can overcome that doubt. And realize that all things will work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. It is by faith we step out. We have to exercise it. We can't retreat. It's not a dead end. It's an invitation for us to step forward and say, God, if it's you, here I am. And here's what I know. Every single time and every doubt that I've ever had on if I actually am and can be used by God, am I actually worthy? Am I actually this child of God that the Bible tells me about that I struggle with? Am I actually chosen? Every single time I come to God with that, it's welcomed arms. So every doubt that you face, there's welcome arms on the other end of it. It's an invitation. It's an invitation. Would you stand with me this morning as we do? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? I know in these moments, there are doubts that you're facing. There are moments in your life that you are retracing back like, oh, I don't think I'm, I'm worthy and how could God use me and I've got these, these doubts and I might not be as broken as the person next to me, but I'm loaded with doubt. And so what can I do, do with it? Maybe even some of you in this moment, you're recognizing that the doubts you had are, is God even real? And if God's real, is God loving? And if he's loving, does that just mean God is, is good? Like, you don't know. And maybe there's a situation that's happening in your life or uh, whatever it may be, and you are wondering, can God actually help me? Or what, what is happening in my life? Is there a God who can actually do something about it? And it's a doubt that you're facing. I pray right now in the power of the Holy Spirit would, would come upon you, that you would recognize that the doubts that you have are invitations for you to press into what God is doing in your life. And I pray for a spirit of courage for you to break out through that dead end and see it as an invitation. That the things that you face, you are not alone. That God is right there, present with you and for you, and he's standing there with open arms to come and see, come and experience, come and, and encounter. For some of you who are in this room and the doubts you've had about, about Jesus, that is he really the Savior? What do I need saving from? Like, like who is this, this Jesus? And I don't really know. And maybe, just maybe, you've been waiting to get all the answers figured out. And can I tell you, it'll be too late at that point. This faith is a journey for us to say yes to Jesus and begin to figure it out as we go. And so I want to pray for those of you right now that are in this room, that you are, are knowing that that is the step that you need to take to say yes to him. What does saying yes to Jesus look like? It looks like 
believing that Jesus lived, that he died, that he rose again to new life for you and pays the way for your sins, past, present, and future. does not mean that you won't make mistakes. It does not mean that you know it all at this moment. What it means is that you are stepping out in faith, exercising that over the doubt in your life. You are able to experience the way, the truth, and the life. And so I want to give you some languages that so you can pray right where you are. You can say something as simple as this, like, Jesus, today, I give you my life. Today, I believe that you live for me, that you died for me, and that you are risen to new life for me. Today, Jesus, I confess you as Lord and Savior of my life. And it's from this point forward, I turn and choose to follow you with all that I am, Jesus. And it's in your name we pray. Amen, amen. Come on, church. Can we celebrate with those who made that decision? And we respond in worship to what God is doing. And maybe these words for the first time resonate with you that you are chosen, that you are not forsaken, that who God says you are, you are. You are a child of God. Would you worship this morning? Thanks for checking out this week's message on the Elevate Church podcast. We hope you really enjoyed it. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. Welcome to the family. We would love to know about it, so please let us know by going to elevatechurch.com slash yes. There will be some practical resources to help you as you start this journey. If you want to support the mission and vision of Elevate, go to elevatechurch.com slash give. Thank you for living generously. We hope you enjoyed this message. Have a great week.